Tyra Banks, Dita Von Tees, and Tracy Ellis Ross have all worn the designs of today's podcast guest, CFDA designer Brie Billiter. Hollywood's queen of the rainbow dress, Brie Billiter regularly shows at New York Fashion Week. And I have actually had the honor of closing one of her New York Fashion Week shows. Hi, welcome to the podcast, Brie Billiter. I am so excited. We are in heaven right now, you guys. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see there are some amazing, beautiful, everything gowns behind Brie right now. And we are living our best lives. So thank you so much for being on the She Is It Report, Brie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. <laughs> I am hyped. Literally, if you have not heard about Brie, you are about to because her dresses are unforgettable and they are so beautiful. They are proper couture. She is amazing at designing everything and I'm so happy to have her on my podcast. So Brie, we have to break it down. Let's go back to the basics. Where are you from? Originally, I'm from Cape Cod, Massachusetts, um, so I grew up on the beach, and uh, I've been in Brooklyn for about six years now. So how did you end up in New York? My entire life, I knew what I wanted to do, and when you know what you want to do and what you want to do is fashion, then you have to go to New York. Like, it's just, I, I couldn't imagine being anywhere else and seeing the progress I've made, so. Did you go to school? I did uh, Mass Art in Boston. Um, it was a very traumatic four years. I graduated, thank God. <laughs> and when you mean traumatic, do you mean it was just, it was a lot of hard work? Because I think a lot of girls don't understand what it means to, um, so you, you majored in fashion, correct? Yeah, yeah. So I think a lot of girls don't really understand how much work goes into majoring in fashion. So could you walk us through it? My teachers didn't like my work. They wanted me to make you know, Talbots, ready to wear things. And that's just never what I wanted to do. They had a hard time with that. And in turn, I had an extremely hard four years. I worked extremely hard. I don't remember sleeping ever. Uh, and it was just nonstop grueling work. There wasn't much like learning how to sew. I would be teaching people how to sew, to be honest. I was one of the only people that knew how. And it would just be all my sewing endlessly, just only powered by caffeine, then getting bad grades after sacrificing all that. So, um, yeah, critiques were brutal. Uh, people who I think were threatened by me in my class would give me almost like uh, verbally abusive critiques. And my teachers would be like, yes, I agree with that. And like, allow it. And at the time, I, I wasn't as strong as I am now, and I didn't stick up for myself the way I wish I had. I have been getting some apologies in my DMs from my teachers. I mean, it helps a little, <laughs> but um, I'm doing what I told them I was going to do, so. I think it's, it's so interesting to me because you have such amazing success, right? Like, you right now are on fire, and it's it's amazing to me that these teachers, I think that you're probably right. I think that they were probably threatened by you and by your abilities, and, you know, you have such a unique voice, right? And you have such a unique style of design, you know, such a, such a unique aesthetic. What is that saying? Like, well-behaved women never make history? Right. right. Precisely. That, like, uh, written somewhere on my wall, like, I have pinned up. Yeah, I love that. Exactly. So I think that you not sacrificing, not sacrificing being who you are in the face of, you know, professors that were, I would say, you know, bullying you and then students who were threatened by you, I applaud you. And I think that's a great message because now you're addressing all of these celebrities and you're showing in fashion week. And right. it just goes to show you that an opinion is just an opinion. Ultimately, the world loves your work. You have to be yourself because if you if you don't, then you wouldn't be where you are today. So right. Yeah, no, I I've pretty much made it my entire task to just in one ear and out the other, almost every opinion. <laughs> it just doesn't even go into my brain. I just get it right out there's no use in, in hearing negativity when you know 
what you're put on this planet to do, it's like, okay, then just don't look at my dress. That's fine with me. Like, I'm not worried about it. And I also think as well that fashion can be really rough sometimes. People will voice their opinions no matter if they're, you know, nice or not. So I think that it, it was probably a blessing in disguise. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say across the board that it was a blessing in disguise, but I would say that in moments, the fact that you were made stronger by this rejection in college, which was in my eyes, completely not justified. I'm just going to say that, that she's an amazing designer. But I think that that rejection, as wrong as it was, made you so strong. And now, you know, you have that mindset where you are going to do what you're going to do. You're going to design the dresses that you're meant to design. And it has nothing to do with what anyone else has to say. Exactly right. <laughs> Upon looking at your beautiful gowns, where do you find the inspiration for your collection? I would say growing up on the beach, I think, created my love for color. Um, I've always been a Barbie girl. So I think it's kind of a combination of natural beauty, but making it like painfully beautiful, um, like otherworldly, like you would, you may see it in a garden, but then you're kind of like, you become the fairy and it's like this actual magical experience. But most of the time, my collection comes to my brain while I'm falling asleep, which is a little annoying because I like roll over, I'll be like, okay, this is it. We're going to sleep. It's finally happening. And then, you know, all of a sudden dresses start coming to my head and I have to like roll over, turn the light on, get my notebook out and start writing, you know, I write my ideas. I don't do like big sketches or anything unless I just want to do a quick silhouette. I don't really waste my time with drawings. Like I just go right for it. And the other place that I sometimes get ideas is like the train. So it's kind of whenever I'm forced to sit still. And things just like come out and something kind of interesting I was having, you know, life is hard and as many successes as I have, it can get defeating every now and then. So I was having kind of a rough week, uh, like a couple like weeks ago and I was like really sad going to sleep. I was like, I just don't know if I have it in me to do another collection. I was like, oh, and then, you know, I turned the light off. I'm like, all right, just go to sleep. You're going to be fine. And immediately a full collection came to my brain and it just was like it was 15 designs like just in my head and it was this unbelievable barbie collection and i'm like okay all right here we go like whether i even feel up to it or not it's my entire body has to do this it's just i don't even have a choice at this point so it's kind of interesting because it when i'm so defeated something inside me is still going. <laughs> it sounds to me like you definitely have had this calling to be a fashion designer ever since you were little. So can you tell me a little bit about that? When did you start imagining dresses in your head? I would be lying to say that I remember being three years old, but I have video of it. So that's a, <laughs> that's a pretty valuable thing. Um, and at three years old, I was very low budget ripping paper and they were these beautiful dresses in my head I didn't even use glue I'd use like spit to like add layers on or whatever like it was super low budget scrap paper probably but they were beautiful in my head I know that so yeah I have a video of that um I have pictures of my little you know ripped up pieces of paper it was just I was obsessed with it it's all I ever did and I actually just went through all of my childhood stuff in this box. I found all of my original drawings, which, you know, they're horrible, but they are all these <laughs> rainbow ball gowns. And so at some point that's going to be a collection that I'm going to make because, you know, it looks like a toddler drew it, which it was a toddler drawing it, you know, it's just always been my, my entire being just doing this. I think that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard someone say, honestly. <laughs> Like, I'm like, why do I want to tear up hearing this? Like, it's such a wonderful, you, like, you have had such a calling ever since you were so little to the point where your designs when you were, you know, three are similar to today, which just goes to show you, like, if you have a calling and you have a mission, you're meant to do it. Like, you have to follow your dreams. I mean, you just never can give up is the thing. Like the people who are in history books, which I plan on being, 
are the ones that refuse to give up no matter what. There's days that you definitely are like, I want to give up so bad. But then the next day you wake up with a text of, you know, so-and-so just put on your dress. It's going to be out, you know, in a couple weeks. And that's what you kind of have to keep going for. Speaking about not giving up, do you have any specific advice to young girls about following their dreams? Because I think that, you know, when someone is from a small town or they're from a state or an area where normally people don't pursue a career in fashion, can you please elaborate how you can um, stay on track with your dreams? I don't know if perhaps part of like my drive comes from I was really sick when I was little. So I don't know if it was the foundation of like this ridiculous, just obsessive, you know, I'm never giving up type attitude. I I don't know if that's part of it, but I will say you will know your calling, whether you want to know it or not, because it's going to be the thing that you spend every penny on. It's going to be the thing that you, instead of going out and partying, are doing. It's going to be the thing that you sacrifice every single thing for. If, you know, a relationship, a guy is making you question that, they're immediately gone without a thought. It's an easy decision with the thing that you're supposed to be doing. So for me, it's like, I don't even think about when I'm spending money on the fabric. It's not, I'm like, I mean, I'm not going to spend on anything else (laughs) um, other than rent. (laughs) But um, it's just, it's one of the things where whatever your calling is, it's right in front of you. And it's what you're making decisions to put your energy into every single day, whether you want that to be your calling or not, it is. So speaking of your designs, you showed at New York Fashion Week. I am so curious. And I think so many of your followers, so many of your fans are curious as well. Can you take us through that day? What was your day like when you were showing at New York Fashion Week from literally the morning? What did you do in the morning to after the show it was really chaotic um the show organization was not great I'm gonna take you back before the show even started because that's when things started getting interesting so 48 hours before the show they had been telling me for months that they had 15 models for me 48 hours before the show I get an email from one of the people that works there and it's this is a direct quote She said, LOL, we're not providing you models. I don't know why you would think that. So (laughs) I get that message. I'm at work and um, because I work as a designer during the day too. So I'm at work. It's around lunchtime. And I'm like, okay, I'm taking a long lunch today. So I posted a casting and I immediately had like, it was really remarkable, actually. Like, thousands of girls responded. It was really nuts, actually. And I got um, 15 stunning models within about probably three hours. I had a majority of them. The call time was, like, 6 a.m. So it was a pretty challenging request for anyone. <laughs> but I made it happen. You know, we get there at the crack of dawn to start makeup. Makeup wasn't happening in a timely manner. So as we are lined up to go walk on stage, we're fixing everyone's makeup in line. The models are facing each other, fixing each other's makeup. I'm there with like a palette trying to fix it. It was nuts. And it was as we were lined up to go walk. It was absolute chaos. Show days are always an unbelievable amount of stress. It's like you just have to prep to be the most uncomfortable and the most stressed you've ever been in your life. You're going to be shaking 10 seconds before they have you walk. It just, it, it's every time. And it's gotten to the point where it's like, it doesn't even matter how organized the show is. It is this burst of, and I'm sure you know, you've, uh, you've walked for shows. It's right before you walk out, you're like shaking. You're like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. This is nuts. And then you walk out and it's fine. You're fine. And it's over, and shows don't last that long. You can only walk so slow. And it's over, you know, 15 minutes tops most of the time. And it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I just did that. It just, you know, and then you go home and you pass out, and it's just nuts. It's like the craziest, most stressful, exhausting experience. And it is every time from my first fashion show I had back in high school to now. (laughs) 
I 100% wholeheartedly agree from my experience walking. Like there's just so much that happens in the morning during fashion week. It's literally insane. It's crazy because like a good example is that my boyfriend actually used to live across the street from Milk Studios. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so what ended up happening is I, I, you know, I booked some shows at Milk Studios and it was literally like my commute was to walk across the street. Which is great. Is <laughs> I, I wish my life was always like this. I don't know how that ended up working out. He just liked that apartment building. But, um, you know, and I, if you are a model, there's an apartment building that, like, if you if you can afford it, you should probably consider to get the apartment across the street from Milk Studios because it'll make your life so much easier. Oh, my gosh. Like, most of my castings were at Milk anyways. So That's amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. So what ended up happening is my call time was, like, 5 a.m. flat the show ended at about 9 a.m. and so I literally like I woke up at five my boyfriend didn't wake up and then I went I would gotten to hair and makeup like you know the whole kind of scene of you have the photographers you have the designer you have all the press you have you know the influencer it's like a whole scene at like 6 a.m. 7 a.m. And just downing coffee at this point <laughs> then you walk I walked and then after that I walked across the street across the street back to right. my friend's apartment and um I'm like he's still sleeping hasn't even started his day yeah he hasn't even started this day let alone yeah. there's an entire tornado of things going on across the street there's right. thousands of people there are people who are not invited we're just right. trying to get in like there's the p there's the paparazzi for outside of the show and there's the press on the inside of the show and then on top of it i could not imagine being the designer well because you know i'm most of the time like i'll i the last show i did i did have a fitting with a few of the girls but before that i had never done a fitting with the models it just doesn't fit into like my chaotic schedule and I'm like, I, you know, it's just not going to happen with this many girls. I'm one person. It just can't happen. So even with the fitting, you know, you have to sew people into garments. I had one of my makeup artists. He was there helping me. He was like my right-hand guy. And so, you know, we would notice <laughs> there were some things that needed to be altered 10 minutes before we're going out. You know, I was like, here, take this needle. I'm taking this side. You get that side. We'd be on the you know opposite sides of the model, just like sewing her into it really quick. <laughs> um, but yeah, th things are very scary. You're doing this one massive event, and everything you want to be so perfect. So it is. It is a lot of pressure to make everything exactly right those ten minutes before you get on the the runway because it's the only thing I'm, anyone's going to see. I have to say that. There are so many aspects of your Fashion Week story that are amazing, and I'm going to touch on two of them. So the first thing that I thought was really interesting is this literally sounds like a movie, right? All My life is. Yes, your life is. But in the moment, you are so close to your fashion show, you're, you're stressing out about the dresses. Yeah, you don't need to be worrying about the models because you've already right. booked the models, let alone someone is unprofessional enough to pull all of the models right before the show and then you're forced to essentially look to social media for help for scouting models and then this amazing thing happened where there was a huge response and everyone wanted to help and you know you probably ended up meeting some really wonderful people some really wonderful you know aspiring models through this process as well I'm still in contact with some of them, and um, one of them and I are, like, very close. We talk, you know, constantly. She actually lives in Texas, but she's visiting right now, so we just got to shoot last weekend, which is lovely. But, yeah, I've, I met some uh, people that, you know, you never think they're going to be important to you, and then, you know, here we are, like, two years later, basically, and um, me and her are very close, so it's it's... It was meant to happen the way it did, but it was awful. I, I love that, too, that you stay in contact with, you know, your muses. I think because I am, like, so friendly, I do end up getting close with most people I work with. Um, like, I don't have a social life, <laughs> but uh, basically, like, my social life is all the people I work with. 
they're the only people I'm really talking to anyway or hanging out with. Like they're the only people I see other than my coworkers. So yeah, I do. I do get close with a lot of girls and, um, you know, sometimes they'll write to me about, uh, immigration status if they need a visa, you know, like I, I if you're my model and it was, you were wonderful, then like, obviously I'm going to do what I can to help. That's so wonderful to hear. I think that that's something so special is it's rarely discussed, but the relationship between the model and the designer, when you're friends and when you get along on like another level, you know, even the model and the photographer, like it becomes this really beautiful friendship where you're creating art together, you know, you see each other for who you are and you can really be creative together. And I just think it's the most wonderful thing. But the other thing that I wanted to bring up is I honestly love so much the fact that you were literally applying eyeshadow on the girls before they went out which just shows how much you care yeah it was it was nuts honestly um but yeah I you know I I bring makeup for myself and you know just in case makeup I never end up really even wearing anything I usually when I walk in the stage I look horrible like the worst I've ever looked every time just it is what it is I don't know I don't know what to tell you. I just did this all myself, you know, but thank God I brought the makeup that day in particular because it was out of control. Yeah, we were all like dipping our fingers into different like colors, just trying to, it was nuts. It was nuts. But um, I mean, when I have models in my, in my pieces, I, it's an experience unlike other designers, I feel. It is kind of like this magical thing so I want it to be fully magical. I don't want them to ever be uncomfortable. So like, also, if I notice someone's not great at walking in heels, I'm like, just go barefoot. If that's going to make you live your best life and be happy and in the fantasy, just go barefoot. So you'll notice a lot of like my photo shoots and stuff. Like you'll see the shoes are like, why did she put those shoes with that girl? But it's, you know, I want them to be comfortable and happy and feel good. And a heel that's making you wobble is not a good feeling. Exactly. I think that's a great message too. Like making sure that people feel comfortable in your designs, you know? Right. Feel right. Beautiful, confident, comfortable is so, so, so important. So you discussed the fact that you have, you know, not so much of a social life. And I think that's an important point to touch on because when you're following your dreams, when you're making it happen, less people know the amount of work that goes into all of this so what is your day-to-day schedule like for making your dreams happen uh my schedule is nuts I guess we'll start on like you know Monday through Friday I wake up around eight maybe five seconds to get ready run out the door get to my job you know work a full day during lunchtime I'll be messaging stylist models sometimes to you um my showroom just anyone I need to like wrap things up with or you know um now I'm starting to produce my stuff so now I'm talking to factories and like pattern makers and you know finding all sorts of stuff and then you know I run I grab fabric or if I need a zipper for the the thing I'm going to make when I get home so I'm running around all day so uh then my my work day ends between six and like sometimes 10 and then I come home and um as I'm like cooking dinner or something I basically am like you know doing this uh so so as like the water's boiling I start sewing immediately and you know meanwhile on the train I was answering emails texts dms all that and then like I cut myself off around midnight which is hard, <laughs> but it's just miserable the next day if I don't. So, and then on the weekends, I usually don't leave my apartment unless I have a shoot that I'm doing. The door shuts on Friday and then does not open till Monday, basically. That's kind of how it works. And I just, you know, I'll stay up all night on Friday and Saturday and then try to not be so depressed about work on Monday for the whole of Sunday. Ladies, it just goes to show you we all have 24 hours in a day. Right. What can you do with your 24 hours? Because Brie over here is building an empire in 24 hours, okay? She has her schedule, she's scheduled down to the minute. 
And I think that's an important lesson for all of us is that you can make a lot happen in one day. And if you consistently work and you hold yourself accountable, then you can do anything. Yeah. A few years ago, I saw, you know, on Pinterest or something, this quote, and it was like, just remember, Beyonce has the same amount of hours in the day that you do. And I was like, that's right. That's true. And then when people ask me, like, how do you accomplish things? I'm like, we have the same amount of hours in the day. (laughs) I am also working a full-time job. This is what I do when I'm not working. So it's like, yeah, we have the same amount of hours in the day. It's just what you choose to do with it. Exactly. Which is so inspirational. But all of this work has paid off in so many ways. So you have dressed celebrities like Tyra Banks, Dita Von Teese. Tell me, what is it like to have dressed these industry icons in your designs? Every time it's like very surreal. I'm very like, I'm very proud of myself because obviously I'm the only one seeing what I've been through, what I go through on a daily basis, that kind of thing. So like, I respect myself so much. So I always get so like emotional when it happens and I'm not like a religious person, but it, when massive good things happen, I'm just like, thank you universe. Oh my God. And I usually like fall to my knee. I like, usually I'm just like, it's so dramatic, you know, like the most dramatic I could ever be. Um, I guess that's cause I'm like a cancer. So like kind of a drama queen. Yeah. It, it, waking up to those messages normally, um, you know, I'll get whispers of a placement, um, or sometimes I'm the one talking to the stylist. So I'll be like, oh, you know, like this is in so-and-so's hands and that would be awesome but I don't celebrate it until the photos are in my hand (laughs) and the person is like officially like there's evidence that it happened. They chose it. It happened. It's just, it's just a crazy experience. And it's those moments that I try to remember when I'm having my darkest times, when I'm just absolutely miserable. And I'm like, I don't think I have anything left to give. And it's those moments. I'm like, tomorrow I could wake up to a text And if I give up today, that text isn't going to come. So I think it's like a little bit like the energy I'm putting out into the universe. And like, I guess we call it manifestation. The energy I'm putting out is I'm doing the work. So give me a little something like, and with every move I make and everything I do all throughout the day, I'm proving to the universe or whatever's going on, I deserve something to happen. So it's like, it's these moments that make it all worth it. It's just so surreal every time. And most of the time, I don't even find out that it happened through the correct source. It's usually some like person that follows me, sees the dress, they're messaging me and they're like, Brie, I just saw your dress on TV. And I'm like, oh, who was wearing it? What station was it on? When did you see this? And that's normally how I find out about things. It's like rare that I actually find out calmly. Like it's going to happen tonight. You're going to have this awesome thing happen. So get home at a normal time so you can enjoy it. It's like 2 a.m. Oh my God, now I can't sleep tonight. That reminds me of like my photo was on Oprah. It was wild, but it, it actually reminds me because like sometimes these wonderful things happen in your life. You find out through you know, the people who support you or your family members, your friends. So this is a funny story. So my grandma actually called my mom and my grandma is, she's almost 90 now. So she's, she's older. And, um, she called my mom on a Sunday and she was like, Susan, Sarah's on Oprah. Sarah's on Oprah. Turn on the TV. And my mom turns to me and she's like, grandma's really lost it now. (laughs) Because you're here, you're not on Oprah, and she's freaking out, and so we're like, well, we have to turn it on to make sure that she's not, like, going, like, cuckoo, so I literally, like, we turn on the TV, and I see the photographer that I worked with being interviewed by Oprah. That's so wild. It was crazy, you know, but it's one of those things where it's, like, I love that, like, you and your followers have such a wonderful, um, relationship where they feel that if they see your design you know they can go tell you and then you know your 
you see it for the first time. Like that's a special bond to have with your fans, with your followers, with your supporters. So yeah. Yeah. The Tyra Banks one, I found out through one of my models. That was the first message. I mean, a lot of people may think they were the first one to tell me, but this girl was the first one to tell me. I was like, what is she talking about? And I was like about to go to sleep. I just happened to check my phone. It's like, what is, no, they told me that didn't happen. So let's see. She's probably confused. And then I couldn't find it anywhere online because it was airing at that moment. So like nothing was like released. So I was actually at my brother's house and we were like loading YouTube like crazy, like trying to find something. And then we found it and I was like, okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> here we go. That's so wonderful. It just goes to show how high level your work is because it finds its way into the hands of celebrities who appreciate your artistry. Right. To trust your dresses for these big moments in their life. You know, right. In their lives. It's, it's a really wonderful, special thing to be the designer who's chosen by celebrities because they trust your designs. They feel wonderful in your designs. They know they're going to, you know, feel the most confident and the most beautiful wearing your designs, which is so important and such a special thing. And then the fact that you get to find out literally through your friends just texting you like, hey, I think Tyra Banks is in your dress. And you're like, oh my gosh, like trying to load the thing. Well, that's like um, what I'm finding too is like, and it's just like stuff that I keep reminding myself, like I'm having a bad day. My dresses are recognizable from a mile away. I mean, that says it all. The fact that like no one's ever been wrong when they've been like, Brie, isn't this your dress? Like if they start tagging me in comments and stuff, like I haven't been wrong. It's always my dress. And so it's like, you know, that's kind of the point. Like if you can't tell if it's someone else's because you kind of make the same, you know, garbage everyone else does. It's like, okay, well, what is the point of that? But the fact that my dresses are so easily identifiable, that's awesome. That I was put on this planet to do something and I figured it out and this is it. And I think the world is starting to catch on to it. <laughs> yes, we, we definitely are catching on. <laughs> I think you've caught on. I think the world has caught on once you're on um, primetime television. Right. A TV debut is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Out of all of the events that you've dressed celebrities for, which one is your favorite? The most surreal one was the Janae Aiko one because I have tried and failed and sacrificed so much to even just try to work for Disney. Obviously, I think you can kind of tell, like, that's what I want to be doing. Um and it's that, you know, it's because it's princesses and that kind of stuff. But that's always been my number one. Like, my my idol is Colleen Atwood, who designs, you know, most of Tim Burton stuff, which isn't necessarily my aesthetic, but she did uh, the costumes for Alice in Wonderland and also Alice Through the Looking Glass, which, I mean, that's my goals there. And so that's all through Disney. So, like, that's been my thing where it's, like, that is my ultimate goal, is to be Colleen Atwood status designing for these types of movies. So today, Aiko chose my dress to to wear for the official music video for Raya and the Last Dragon. You know, I have a Disney credit, basically. That was an actual dream come true. And, you know, every moment that something positive happens is a dream come true. But this one was a literal dream come true, something that I've just been obsessed with. And that's I mean, to, like, seeing that, like, I, um, again, anytime a major placement happens, I'm usually, like, about to lose service because the train's going down somewhere. So I found out about Dito Antis on the train. I lost service, couldn't do, you know, could do nothing for, like, a half hour. I found out about the Tracy Ellis Ross underground as well. And the Janae Aiko one, I found out as I was leaving work, which made me leave work faster. And I'm just like watching the music video, just sobbing. I'm like on the train. Thankfully, I had my mask on, so it was like a little less crazy. <laughs> but I was just like, <laughs> I was like, can I just tell everyone on the train that my dream came true? <laughs> Are you seeing this? <laughs> um, but yeah, I just sobbed the whole way home, sobbed all the way up the stairs, passed a neighbor, probably thought I was crazy, got in my room, just like laid on the ground, just sobbing, watching the video over and over again. Um, that one was, 
that is my, I mean, that is my favorite thing ever that's happened so far. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And I also relate to you when you said that um, you always find out good news when you're losing reception on the subway, because no matter what cell carrier you have, you will lose reception when you go on the subway underground, which is crazy. And it's actually a problem for a lot of the models, because sometimes you'll get a text like, hey, we need you at the Valentino casting right now. And you literally have just gone underground. So you don't get the email. Right. And then by the time that you come up, you've missed the casting. This is why I try to explain to people, too. Things happen with such urgency. So this is why my phone is in my hand at all times. Because if someone messages me, I don't respond within. So once I lost a major poll because I didn't see it for 25 minutes. It was a major poll. I was getting ready for bed. I just happened to be in the shower at this time. And I get out of the shower, check my phone. I'm like, like dead respond and I don't get a response I'm like no I lost it so like the stylist is in there DMing people like crazy getting the stuff once they get the confirmation they're off the phone they're done like that's it so I have to be constantly checking my phone replying to people I mean I reply so fast to most people because I'm like if I don't like the second they put their phone down that's it but yeah, it, there is always such a sense of urgency. So when I do lose signal, I'm like, <laughs> say a prayer, say a prayer. <laughs> like a suggestion I could make is I know they are the least fashionable accessory you could possibly wear, but Apple watches could save that problem. There's a lot of uh, people that have told me lately I should get an Apple watch uh, for safety reasons in the city amongst other things but definitely safety is a problem right now I might think about it because it is yeah I think that that's definitely a a good thing to look into there's a lot of things that New York what they don't tell you in the movies about New York for those out there who haven't been it's rough so rough it's rough and it's also dirty like when you watch the movie they have this beautiful panoramic view of like Manhattan in the you know, the taxi cabs and the, like, the little um, steam coming out of the thing, which, by the way, is actually really gross in reality. You're like, why is this happening? It's really grimy. And then in reality, like, there are a lot of things that do happen because you're a girl walking by yourself, you know? So it's definitely a place that you need to be prepared and alert if you visit, is what I would suggest. I mean, nothing (laughs) as glamorous as it seems. I mean, my life, I think, looking outside and people are like oh so glamorous and then it's just like me like sweating like crying like just a mess like negative three hundred dollars in my account like it's just like oh my god like life is always ending it's like such a mess all the time I mean that's what I always say about New York too is it's like whoa I survived today like there are so many days where I'm like okay New York you win today We'll go at it again tomorrow. I'm done. Like, I'm done. I think that a good way, too, of describing it is you were saying that you were crying on the subway. And I think that everyone in New York has had a moment where you've cried in public. But it's like literally airports and New York City are the only two places that you can cry in public and people are fine with it and not bothered or like trying to talk to you. There are some places, you know, like I like I modeled in Milan and like in Milan, if you cried in public, like you would have immediately like three people like, are you okay, honey? Like, do you need anything where you're like, for you? Yeah, Italy, I want to go there so bad because I'm like mostly Italian, but I've had people go there and like message me from there being like, I understand you so much more now. Like, your entire personality is Italian. It's, like, so strange. Well, for your embarrassing story, here's an embarrassing story. Um, There was one time I got so frustrated. Like, I was on the phone with someone, and I got so frustrated. And my phone was already, like, shattered. Like, it was already shattered on the front, on the back. Like, it was, like, barely happening and I was just having such a bad day and I kind of realized that I had to like it was around like COVID hitting and Mm, bad days around that time I did not wake up in the morning thinking this was gonna happen but I like slammed my phone on the ground like I threw my phone like in Manhattan like I like I was on the phone and I was like no no like I don't want to and I literally just went yeah and then immediately 
every single person like stopped yeah no the thing is if it's drama and intrigue it's like oh go and like everyone once people start raising their voices everyone's looking do you have a favorite photo shoot that you've done it's always very magical like I always love because it's kind of like I you know I'm so obsessed with like Barbies and like that's kind of how I think my obsession began when I was little like I always wanted to dress Barbie so it's like Barbies come to life um but I think one of the coolest ones I'd say was probably the boat dress because it felt like for the first time I was like doing something where it's like not just like making pretty dresses which I feel like it's like how are you helping the world but um it felt really good to shoot the boat dress because it was kind of like this like art installation in the middle of new york and like everyone was stopping and it started a conversation about how important voting is so i was like that's pretty cool i like this it feels like i've done something today and then like posting that on tiktok people went nuts and there was such conversation in in the comment section and i mean i got so many people to sign to register to vote through that and they would like comment again they'd be like i just registered today thank you so much blah blah um so it's kind of cool to feel like you've done something a little bit but yeah they're always they're always super magical i just did a really awesome one um this last weekend um because i'm doing a mini collection for pride so i've been shooting with transgender models every weekend um, I have another one tomorrow, which is what this dress is for. And so we went down to the newest art installation. It was like a flower shop pop-up down in the meatpacking district. And like, when I say we shut the place down, like that's, I've never experienced this before. And it was kind of one of those moments that like, when you dream of moving to New York and you're a fashion designer, like this is the greeting you think you're going to get. So like after six years, it was like, this is what I dreamed of everyone stopping like hundreds of people freaking out being like who made that dress and it was just like very special um so that was a really good feeling and to be recognized like that was i mean that you know compliments are good i love that i, I just love that for you i love that you've made that you made a difference and you're continuing to make a difference let's bring it back so what does pride month mean to your brand so I like to think of my brand and I guess like my Instagram page or whatever, like my social media, I like to think of it as like a safe place. You know, I'm not part of the community, but I just want everyone to feel completely like when they step into my world, that it's a level playing field. No one's better than anyone else. You're going to all live the same fantasy and be, you know, feel beautiful. And I just think it's important to make it like, like, we don't have to talk about that you're transgender. We don't have to talk about any of the, you're just a beautiful woman. Like, that's it. Um, and so, yeah, I just want my Instagram to just be a safe place. And um, if anyone is feeling threatened or, you know, any bad thing, like, they can come to me. And so I've done this mini collection for Pride. I always do Pride shoots um, every year. It's, like, just so important to me because I, I don't understand I mean, I don't even like to call it homophobia. Like, you're not afraid. You're just, I don't know, hateful. Um, so, basically, I always try to make it a point to be like, I'm here if you need me. <laughs> like, this is a safe place for all. So, yeah. So, this was one of the biggest endeavors because I was like, I'm going to, I have three ideas I want to do for this. And I have three beautiful transgender models. I, I really respect your response, and I have to say that I did get that feeling from you and from your brand when I looked at your Instagram because, you know, it is Pride Month, and I was looking at it, and I was like, I feel like your brand is really supportive, and it feels like a safe space, and also the designs are just such a part of the community because you have rainbow designs. Right. Well, if you had me that what I was going to be known for was rainbow dresses. Like, if you look at my celebrity placements, they're all rainbow dresses. So if you had told me that, like, 10 years ago, I would have been like, you're lying. That's not. That's ideal, but you're lying. I mean, the fact that that's the reality, that people love my rainbow dresses specifically, it's just like, okay, 
I mean, I'll give you rainbow dresses if you want them because that's all I want to do anyway. Meanwhile, um, the community is like, yes! <laughs> the idea that that was going to be like what I was going to be known for. And I, I think I can officially say I'm like becoming like the queen of rainbow. You are the queen of rainbow and you are the queen of rainbow dresses. That's what I'd like to think. It's a fact. It's a fact. I got that sense immediately. Yeah. I think it's an instinctual thing. You immediately get this essence of color and it's just wonderful. It's just an explosion of color, an explosion of rainbow, an explosion of like beauty. And I think that's what's so captivating about your collection is that it's just so different. It's so unique and you have such a special voice that needs to be there. So let's talk about your collection. What is that going to look like? It's a very new project. We had been talking about it for a while and then we, we pulled the trigger, it's happening. Um, so we kind of just to make it available, uh, the first piece is this one actually. And then what I plan to do is, because currently right now, like everything is sample size because I'm an emerging designer. I don't have a plus size dress form, but I know it's so necessary. So I want to, with this opportunity, be size inclusive and also, you know, it's not going to be super affordable. I'm hand dyeing this silk. So it's going to be as affordable as I can make it. And I want to translate some of my most popular designs into, you know, someone could wear it every day. So kind of like crop tops with this silk fabric, um, little dresses that are a lot more casual. The Pantone dress is next on the docket and translating that fabric into, I really want to do like a swimsuit with a sarong with that same Pantone fabric. I want to do, you know, just like a bodycon skirt that just like you could throw on, no big deal. Um, so just kind of translate the fantasy down into something that you don't have to think about or worry about, but it's still like me making it and it's still my voice, but just with something that is a little less like, where am I going to wear that? Which is so important, you know, because there are so many, there are so many fashion girls and guys out there who can't afford luxury, but we have an appreciation for it, you know? So it's so important that you're including everyone that you can, you know, all of your followers can participate in your designs in one way or another because you know whether they're buying the high-end amazing jaw-dropping show-stopping pieces or <laughs> they're buying the um the more affordable as jaw-dropping and as show-stopping pieces you know for their more every day maybe for brunch maybe for you know a special event they're going to you know i think that it's about making fashion accessible for everybody, which I think so many of your fans will really appreciate and look forward to because then they can afford your designs. They, they don't just have to appreciate it from afar on Instagram and, you know, message you anytime right. something amazing happens, they can actually participate in the brand. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's obviously the ultimate goal. And like, yeah, I wish that I could sell a thousand of these dresses, pay my rent that way. But realistically that's <laughs> not going to be the case it's a female-owned business that we all need to support so right. charge as much money as you want queen so <laughs> it is worth it she's hand sewing it with silk <laughs> it's so much work the sweat and the tears of the fashion show the new york fashion show and the casting of the models and then the like the sewing through the night the sewing over your hand we didn't even talk about that yeah, my poor little finger. I mean, today we were just chatting about it before we went on the podcast. Brie sewed over her finger. There is a reason these dresses, these dresses are worth the money that she's charging and she's working so hard. She is literally sewing over her finger and she kept working. That's the whole point is she literally kept sewing after. She was like, I took a tile and all. I'm fine. I can keep going. It's that work ethic, girl. I think that it's your creativity, the combination of your creativity and your work ethic just sets you apart so much in life. And I don't know really where it comes from. I try to think like, why can't I stop? Like, what, like, what is it that's making me continue? And I honestly don't know, but I wish I could just like 
you know, not have my day job, which thankfully I do. But I wish I could just like lock myself in my room, make princess dresses all day, every day. Like that's all I want to do. So, I mean, I love it, but I also don't understand like why I seem to just have so much energy for it. It's because you love it. It's when, like you said earlier, when you do what you love, you have energy. You have more money. Like you spend all of your money on this. You spend all of your time on this. You give it all of your energy. You sacrifice part of your social life. You sacrifice your Friday nights. You sacrifice so much in order to make your dreams come true. And Brie is such a good example of that. Do you have a message that you want to tell your fans, your followers, the women who buy your beautiful dresses? What do you want to tell them watching this podcast right now? No matter what it is that you're put on this planet to do, never ever give up ever it's always the ones that refuse to give up that are the ones that make it so it's painful it's not glamorous you know a lot of the time it's miserable but you step back and these incredible things happen and it's worth it and I've sacrificed every single thing I have worked so insanely hard And I think in times like these, it's extremely important to support women um, because we need to be running the world for real. And um, I just hope that people start, you know, I think people have started, but I hope that people take note of what I'm doing and um, that on a bigger scale, I'm, I'm more recognized. Yes. That's what this podcast is all about is women supporting women when we work together, you can make the world change. I love that you're making your dreams happen. So thank you so much for being on my podcast, Brie. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the She Is It Report podcast, It Girl. Make sure to follow us on all of our socials at She Is It Report and check out our new website, sheisitreport.com. When you do, make sure that you put in your email so that you can get notified every time we post a new podcast of the She Is It Report. Also, remember to follow me, your podcast host, Sarah Gullickson, on all of my socials, at Sarah Gullix on TikTok and Sarah Gullickson on Instagram. Thanks for tuning in to the She Is It Report podcast.